The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who, and today we're discussing the 11th Doctor story, The Name of the Doctor. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Cory Stika. Hi, Father Cory. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to join the StarQuest fan club by texting StarQuest, all one word, to 66866. That's StarQuest to 66866. And I want to encourage you to stick around to the end of the episode. We're going to have your listener feedback on a previous episode we've dis- we've uh, had. We discussed the Terror of the Vervoids recently, and we'll have your feedback on that. And I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest network you're sure to enjoy called Raising the Bets. And that's a podcast I do with my wife, Melanie, where we talk about uh, family life and cooking and books and movies and TV shows and all other kinds of fun stuff like that. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash bets. That's two T's, B-E-T-T-S. Today, we're talking about the 11th Doctor story, the name of the Doctor. And uh, Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happens in this episode? Using a group of semi-faceless monsters known as the Whisper Men, the Great Intelligence kidnaps Vastra, Jenny, and Strax and takes them to the planet Trenzalore, where the Doctor is destined to die and be buried. Before the kidnapping, Vastra, Ginny, and Strax hold a telepathic conference call with Clara and the Data Ghost of River Song. They're concerned because they've had word that the Doctor's greatest secret has been discovered on Trenzalore, but before they can form a plan, the kidnapping occurs and the Doctor is forced to go to Trenzalore to rescue them. Once there, he and Clara discover his tomb, a giant, aged, future version of his TARDIS and inside is a representation of his entire life history in the form of a glowing time stream. The Great Intelligence jumps into the time stream to corrupt it, turning every one of the Doctor's victories into a defeat and rewriting his history into a living hell. But then Clara realizes that this is how she becomes the Impossible Girl who's shown up at so many points in the Doctor's past, so She also jumps in and fragments into a million copies of herself across the time stream to undo the damage caused by the Great Intelligence and restore the Doctor's history to the way it should have been. This should kill Clara, but the Doctor enters his own time stream to save her, which he does. But, in the process, Clara and the Doctor glimpse a previously unknown incarnation of his who did something terrible and does not deserve the name Doctor. The end. Okay, very good. So this is the uh, kind of the the culmination of Clara's story with the Eleventh Doctor. This whole impossible girl thing. It's the explanation finally that we got to. I, I have to say, seeing this now, it is less. It was less confusing than when I mm-hmm. saw it the first time. I'm not sure why it was so confusing for me the first time. It does. It's not all that complicated, but. But now I, I I get it more with I guess with the uh, the benefit of hindsight. What did you guys think of this particular story in in relation to everything else? I, I have to admit this this kind of felt like uh, Stephen Moffat wanting to wrap up, like you said, as a culmination of of Clara's storyline, just wanting to wrap up everything. You explain the impossible girl, and and of course we got to get the uh, uh, the the flashbacks to other doctors by filling in scenes in the in the scene of where Clara's convincing the do- the first doctor to take the TARDIS instead of a different TARDIS, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it, it kind of felt like you wanted to throw a bunch of stuff together and this is what we ended up with. Okay. How about you, Jimmy? So, um, I was, I want to talk about the title of this yep. episode, the name of the doctor, because in context, now it, 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 you get a different experience if you just take it out of, take this episode out of context, like we're doing right now, than if you watched it in sequence. Because they had been teasing us with there is something about the doctor's true name that's important. It's like it, he has a true. They just recently in the last two seasons, 
had been establishing that that there is a reason that the doctor calls himself the doctor instead of going by his true name, that there's a reason he keeps his true name secret, that it must never be revealed for some reason, and that um, if it were revealed, something horrible would happen. And then they start teasing us his name is going to be revealed at Trenzalore. And he won't be able to refuse to answer when asked his name on Trenzalore. And he won't be able to lie or dissimulate. So he'll have to give his name on Trenzalore. And so they've been building up this theme of when the doctor goes to Trenzalore, his true name will finally be revealed and it will be significant for some reason. And so they've been making promises to the audience to that effect for two seasons. And then, no, they completely dodge it. They even they so that in this episode, they even call it the name of the doctor mm -hmm. and he goes to Trenzalore and he's asked his name and they do a complete dodge this time. They also do it when he goes to Trenzalore for the second time. They dodge their way out of it then, too. So if you watch it in context, in, in a, if you're like, say, binge watching today, you will have an experience of uh, of them making promises to you and then not fulfilling them. And I'm not saying that's the worst artistic choice ever, uh, but it's it can rankle. Right. Well, and it's, of course, as we know from, from Missy later on in the 12th Doctor's season, that uh, his name really is Doctor Who. That's his name. She says that his well, name really is Doctor. No, I'm, she, I'm being sarcastic, Jim. Don't worry. Don't. Get oh, okay. Because she <laughs> says she says he chose the name Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm perfectly fine that yeah he is Doctor Who, not just the Doctor. He has chosen Who as part of his as part of his name at and has chosen to use it at various times, but other times he prefers to just go by the Doctor. Yeah, but that, that you're, you're right though, Jimmy. I mean, that's that's the biggest disappointment of this is okay. Fine, you set up that he he has a name other than the Doctor, and I think it's it's been pretty clear throughout the the, the run of the the series that yes, that is not his given name when he was born. But uh, then you you lay it out. Oh yes, this is gonna be the episode where it's revealed, and you don't. You basically just blow right past it. And have River, River Ghost, basically say it instead, and we don't hear it. Yep, right. Well, and then there's the two, basically two kinds of deception. In this one, because then at the end, as you mentioned in the recap, Jimmy, they have John Hurt turn around as the War Doctor, and it says John Hurt is the Doctor. And keeping in mind to the context of when this aired, we were all we're all waiting for the revelation of who the next Doctor is going to be, and they. This is like this addiction that that they get, they have to, you know, um, misdirection on who the next doctor is going to be. It's just kind of an, a little annoying. I didn't take the John Hurt revelation as he's going to be the doctor after Matt Smith, because in context, he's portrayed as one of Matt Smith's memories. Mm -hmm. He's a previous doctor, and we knew we had the uh the 50th anniversary special coming up and we yeah. knew John Hurt was going to be in that and it was in the publicity that yeah he's just going to be in the 50th anniversary special as this previously unknown part of the doctor okay right? okay so yeah i guess i didn't remember that but um mm -hmm. they they have done that which is that that sort of head fake of the the, the who the doctor is going to be and i mean it's it's something they've done several times uh in the in the run well, they did it in the next Doctor, um, mm -hmm. the Matt, the uh, David Tennant special. Yeah. I'm I'm not aware of them doing fake outs with other Doctors. I mean, they did it in the comedy Doctor Who and the Curse of the Fatal Death, but yeah. that was yeah. comedy. Yeah, that wasn't part of the series. But then they what they did do was regeneration fake outs. They did that both with David Tennant, where it's like, hey, I'm regenerating, and then I'm going to channel off all this energy and not ceased to be David Tennant. Right. Right. And then they did it multiple times with Peter Capaldi, where in his final season, they would fake us out that he was starting to regenerate and it would turn out not to be the actual regeneration. Yeah. I, I feel, it feels cheap to like, to, to go back to the, those sorts of head fakes all the time. You know, it mm -hmm. just, yeah, you've done it. Okay. Let's move on to something else. 
so setting that aside, yep. uh, the episode itself, I, I think, is actually okay. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. It's got a lot of interesting things in it. I'm, I don't think everything is equally successful. The Whispermen, for example, mm-hmm. are so they're, they're guys dressed in Victorian era suits with top hats and everything. And then they have some kind of white gauze over their face. So you can't see their eyes or ears or any facial features except for their mouth. And they have bright red lips and then not exactly fangs, but like jaggedy kind of shark like teeth. Mm. And, and we have this uh, serial killer who's in jail at the beginning of the episode who is tell who is, doing a, a fairly Stephen Moffat thing. In, uh, Stephen Moffat apparently liked writing little poems, and mm. we sometimes have these poems inserted into episodes either diegetically or non-diegetically to kind of juice the drama. And so we have this serial killer guy in jail who is uh, saying poems about the Whispermen and building them up as some kind of spooky threat and then all he says is they'll look at you you know if they notice you they'll look at you and it's like okay that's a little bit um (laughs) anticlimactic and non-threat like (laughs) and and eventually the whisper men when we have no explanation for where they come from or what they are other than what we see on screen and eventually i for most of the episode they aren't they don't do anything threatening when we see them. I mean, we're it's implied that they do something to Jenny when they're mm-hmm. in the telepathic conference call and Jenny is not really sure what's going on with her body, but they've injured her somehow, but we don't see that. And then later, late in the episode, they finally do something that's kind of threatening, which is they can apparently reach inside your body and grab your heart and make it stop by hanging on to it. Mm-hmm. and interrupting your heart heart rhythm. And we only get to see them doing that with Strax, not with any of the other characters, so they're apparently doing it to all of them. Mm-hmm. Right. But the uh, Whispermen, I think, have some promise that they don't really pay off. I thought that the silence would be at Trenzalore. I, I, something, I, I, there was something in, in the previous episodes that featured the silence where I thought that they would be at Trenzalore, as well as some of the other from that alliance and so when you get like the whisper men are kind of like the silence but except you don't forget except they're totally not yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean what's well, the suit i think the suit and then the paleness and the monstrousness to them yeah but they're more like fantasy monsters than aliens mm-hmm. yeah yes i would say that yeah um i did like the sequences where you see clara showing up in the different doctors times like yeah. she shows up oh yeah you know she's in the tardis and the six doctors walking behind her uh, or the fourth doctor walks past with his you know scarf flying up behind him and then the we do see the seventh doctor in Dragonfire. i think that's the only that no that's not because then we also see uh the third doctor driving bessie so those are two yeah. with it's from actual episodes Oh yeah, well, all almost all the footage is from actual episodes, but in some places they've replaced the backgrounds. Right. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, we do get the dragon fire sequence. I also like how they change the Clara fragments costume in mm-hmm. each of those to fit mm-hmm. the period. So in in the dragon fire clip where the doctor is hanging off the bridge ridiculously, yes, uh, she runs up. This corridor and looks through a door to see him, and she's wearing a kind of it's it it it's a leather jacket with studs on it, and it's not Ace's jacket, but it's kind of got that same vibe. Mm-hmm. And then when you see her in the second dot with the second doctor, she's wearing clothing that looks like it could be women's clothing from the early nineteen sixties. And when you see her with um with um. Uh, the third doctor, she's wearing another costume that looks like around 1970s women's clothing. And so I like how they do the costume changes with her. I also like at the very beginning of this episode, before it all kicks off, we get a flashback to ancient Gallifrey before the doctor has stolen the TARDIS when he's just about to. Mm-hmm. And that's nice to see. Yeah, the, we see a TARDIS repair shop. I think it is uh, described in the, yep. in the, in the script. Um, that is kind of cool, and then uh, we end with the the uh, the eleventh Doctor in 
Victorian London, which is where Madame Bastra is in meets with this uh, uh, serial killer, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I like the, uh, the 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 telepathic conference call, which is a, essentially the metaverse. So yeah. <laughs> predicting uh, Facebook's metaverse, uh, and they uh, it, it's it's kind of cool because they 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 call in Clara from across time, and then River Song shows up, and then this this is the first time River and Clara meet. And mm-hmm. there's this whole undercurrent here of the doctor never told Clara about that River was his wife, and River doesn't know anything about Clara, and there's this kind of funny uh, tension, romantic, romantic triangles, yep. yeah, yeah, that that goes on here um, until like later on when River like drops that she's the doctor's wife, and Clara's like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, Clara mentions that she, the doctor, has mentioned Doctor River's song to her, but she had no idea she was a woman. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That was that was good. Um, I, I like the way that Strax. So in this, Strax is actually up in Glasgow. Yeah. And <laughs> and Vastra says, and it's his day off, so he's up in Glasgow. And Vastra says that she wishes he'd never discovered that place because what he's doing is like having Fight Club yep. up there <laughs> yes. and and with it, all the typical, you know, um, bluster, uh, Suntar and Empire will destroy you, things like that, that you would expect. And he's he's having a fight uh, for fun with this guy named Archie, I think is his name, yeah. and who's this real muscular guy. And so they're g- laying into each other when he gets word that he's got this conference call and he rolls his eyes as a like, conference call. <laughs> which is which to many people today who work jobs where they have to have conference calls. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not. <laughs> yep, they're often not well regarded. Yeah. But uh, he then says, Archie, I must ask you to render me unconscious. It may take some time <laughs> <laughs> because he's got to be put under in order to access the telepathic conference call. I also like how once he's there, he's like, so who else do we need? And it's like, well, the women are coming, and they mean Clara. And he says, I hope the one with a gigantic head isn't coming. <laughs> and, and I think and, he meant River, yeah. yeah he, meant, he meant River, and yeah. and Jenny says, that's not, that's hair, Strax, <laughs> that's just hair. Because River Song has this, you know, big mop of hair that does, in fact, if you don't know what hair is, would make her head look look gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> so the, uh, the the serial killer says he knows the doctor's secret of Trenzalore, and the secret well, actually, is he he says um, that the doctor has a secret that he will take to his grave. It has been discovered. Okay, right. and. So the- and the okay. Paternoster gang and every and the audience and everybody else assumes that his secret has been discovered. But later, Matt Smith clarifies it. No, I have a secret which I'm taking to my grave. It, my grave, mm-hmm. has been discovered. Okay. And the secret is his name. That's, that- that's what the episode title and all the buildup would imply. Yeah. But I think the actual secret is his time stream. Okay. Okay, yes. Okay, this is why I was confused the first time I watched yeah. this, so I'm glad we're clarifying this. So, uh, the and one of the things the doctor says, um, uh, well, I, before we get to that, I like the, the sequence where the doctor shows up at Clara's house, where she's the, the nanny, and he's doing blind man's bluff with the kids, and, and, and he's like, where are you? Come on, you gotta, you gotta say something. And uh, Clara's like, did they, uh, they, 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 did they told you to do blind man stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're at the movies. <laughs> like yeah. they, they, mm-hmm. they went to the, they, they put him in the blind, the blindfold and left him there. Um, yeah. and then he, uh, he wouldn't take him to the movies, so they thought of using blind man's bluff. <laughs> yes, and he I, calls them little Daleks. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <Which> I, <laughs> yeah. So, by the way, I like the way they get Clara into the telepathic conference call. They, oh, they yeah. have a, they have, they do the letter across time thing. Mm-hmm. So. She um she gets a letter one day and it's from Madame Vastra and it um it says read the envelope says read when alone so she 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 leaves the kids and goes to I guess her bedroom or something and reads the letter and it explains that it explains about the situation with the doctor 
and it says we need to have a telepathic conference call and we can do this across time because when people are asleep, their mind can move in time. And so um, I've included a candle and if you uh, light the candle, it will it will cause you to go to sleep and we can have this conference call. And Clara kind of frowns when she looks at the candle. It tosses the candle away. Yeah. 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 And, and, and then the letter says, however, having, um, having anticipated you might not want to use the candle, I've also included the same drug in the paper of this letter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so Clara falls asleep anyway. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's sensible to just light a, the random candle someone sends you in the mail. Um, so. Oh, 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 dude. Whoa. Sometime on Mysterious World, we're going to have to talk about mail security because <laughs> because back in like the 1920s and stuff, uh-huh. people would get little bottles of stuff in the mail. This is Ooh. like in the early 20th century and the late 19th century. You would get little bottles of mail in from little bottles in the mail from an anonymous admirer to oh. like help you out with your physical condition or as a beauty aid or something oh like that and it, and it was poison this was yeah. one of the way you poisoned people you would send them a little bottle in the mail and tell them it was some tonic that would help them in some way and then they would die <laughs> that seems uh, naive but uh, plausible that people would fall for that <laughs> yeah well people fall for the uh, nigerian scam still so yeah yeah it's true it's true it, we're not any smarter in general um so the what, once Clara tells the doctor what's going on, they head to the TARDIS, and inside he says something very interesting. He says that he'd always thought he'd retire. Like first he says, "I'm going to do what a time traveler should never, ever, ever do, which is go to the place of his grave." And he then kind of says, "I always thought I'd be able to retire and take up watercolors or beekeeping, which is a, a significant thing because of the whole Delta and the Bannerman episode with the Seventh Doctor, where we." We meet that beekeeper who some speculate may be a future regeneration. Hmm. Yes, right. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. Well, it's also it, there's a there's another reference there that's more um, more certain. Mm -hmm. Now I thought of Goranwi too, uh, who's living in 1959, and and Stephen Moffat has acknowledged that Goranwi could be a future version of the Doctor, and in my head canon he is because he's just mm. so much like the Doctor. But I, there's another reference there, which is Sherlock Holmes, right. because that's what Sherlock Holmes does. After he oh. gives up being a detective, he retires to the seaside and takes up beekeeping and things like that. Oh, And he even writes, and he, he's planned it for years. It comes up in multiple stories before he actually does it, that he's, he's planning on retiring, and he's even going to write a book about uh, practical apiary with some observations on the isolation of the queen. Yeah. And then there's uh, there's actually one story where he's yanked. There's two stories where he's yanked out of retirement. Um, but there's one story where he's yanked out of retirement where he actually lives because someone in the village where he lives uh, in Dover has died mm -hmm. and he's got to solve it. And there's no actual villain. It turns out it's a it's a, a jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Well, and given that Moffat was making uh, Sherlock at the same time, yes. that would be top of mind. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They play so, with the beekeeping in that as well. When there's an episode where Sherlock has this woman, he's 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 romanced, and this is from the stories, actually. Mm -hmm. But there's this woman Sherlock has romanced in order to gain access to a particular place, and he's even gotten himself engaged to her, and then she learns it's all a, a ruse. Mm -hmm. And she forgives him, but sells her story to the tabloids for a lot of money. And so she's going to take the money and buy this place uh, where there where there's like a bee beekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> OK, OK. Um, so they get to Transalore uh, and he tells Clara it's a battlefield graveyard. And he tells her that the bigger the monument, the higher ranking the soldier. Hmm. And of course, the TARDIS towers over everything. And he. She misunderstands that it's a monument. He goes, no, no, that's the actual TARDIS, because when a TARDIS is dying, its dimensional cells uh, or something start breaking Techno down. Technobabble happens, and the bigness on the inside starts to leak out and affect the outside, yep. yes. called a size yeah. leak. Yes. Also, I like the way they get to Trenzalore, because the TARDIS does not want to go there. 
Yeah. And it rebels. And mm. the doctor kind of forces it to go to Trenzalore. Also, I want to back up even further because we're kind of leaping, leapfrogging through this episode rather quickly. Mm-hmm. When Clara is explaining to the doctor about um, what Vastra, Jenny, and Strax have learned, we we kind of get this it's cut in a, the scene is cut in a very interesting way to where we don't hear her actually explain it all, but we cut from her beginning to explain it to the end of her explaining it. Cause we don't need it all summarized for us. We've just seen it. Mm-hmm. And, and Matt Smith breaks down and starts crying and says, are you sure she said Trenzalore? Mm-hmm. And right. that's a very moving, effective moment that shows the audience just how powerful the stakes are and the thought of his oncoming death at Trenzalore and things like that. So I thought that was a really good moment. And then I thought it was, it further was nice in building the stakes when the TARDIS won't go there Mm -hmm. and the TARDIS is trying to protect him and he forces it to go there anyway. That's very effective on an emotional level. And then when he's got it there, it won't land on the planet. So they're like stuck in orbit and he's got to get him down. And that's where we get the bit about, you know, beekeeping and watercolors. And then when we get down to the surface of Transalore, it's basically a big cemetery world at this point. Mm. It's, it's, we get a glimpse of it from orbit where it's like totally been devastated and it's just black with some, what may be some lava, you know, some places. Mm. It looks like Apocalypse from mm-hmm. DC Comics. It's this hell world now and we get down there and it's basically one enormous graveyard. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, I was going to say the, um, this whole scene where he talks about where he, he gets emotional, he runs out, um, he hears from River. Now, this is River from this post is ri- the library, right? Correct. She's a data mm-hmm. ghost. Okay. So this is the data ghost River. So this is probably the latest version of River we have seen. I think it is. Yes. In, yes. The, in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she knows all of the history. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he mentions that he heard the name of Trenzalore from Dorium, which was the blue guy who got his head mm-hmm. taken off. Right. Yep. That was the, yep. the first one I told him about that. Okay. So just kind of putting the, putting the pieces together. So they, they, they get down there. Um, and only Clara can still see River, but the, but the, we're told that the doctor can't. We eventually find out that he actually can. Right. The only reason that Clara can see River is because River left the telepathic conference call line open. <laughs> right. <laughs> Leave that Zoom call running in the background. Um, and uh, they find River's tomb, there, her grave there on the, on the planet. Uh, and then that's a clue to the doctor, like, wait a minute, there shouldn't be a grave for River on this planet because this is not where her body is. It turns out it's a secret entrance underground that helps them escape from the, the Whisper Men. Yeah, rather pointlessly, um, <laughs> yeah. because they're 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 it, it, I, it's a it's kind of a stretcher. I think this is one of the weaker points in the episode where they've they Rivers Tomb is actually a secret entrance to the TARDIS mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to the Doctor's Tomb. Why would anybody do that if Rivers not at the battlefield? You know, it did. Why would? How did this plan form in the minds of the people who would be burying the Doctor? You know, right. this is this is implausible, but it's also pointless in the plot because and this is another flaw in the episode, because they kind of have a back entrance. The doctor and Clara have a back entrance to the TARDIS and mm-hmm. they're climbing around in the innards of the TARDIS. And Clara is starting to remember things about being the impossible girl, because in the journey to the center of the TARDIS, the doctor had confronted her and told her what he knew about her. Mm-hmm. But then because she learned his name her memories got blanked. Right. So she right. shouldn't be remembering this stuff. She's starting to remember it. And, um, and, and they're climbing around in this kind of, and she's kind of dizzy and we get some interesting camera effects of, to convey she's dizzy and disoriented as they're climbing up through the innards of the TARDIS and it's all broken. And the time is, time is doing weird stuff. And then suddenly they're outside the TARDIS. I mean, the whisper men are chasing them and then suddenly they're outside of the TARDIS at the door and the doctor is being asked his name so that they can go inside the TARDIS from the front. Yeah. And so that whole thing climbing around in the innards of the TARDIS and river songs being grave was just wasted because apparently, and this is very poorly communicated 
I, I guess the Whispermen captured them, brought them all the way out through the back entrance of the TARDIS through River's Grave again and brought them around to the front entrance <laughs> so that the great intelligence could ask him his name and go in through the front door. Yeah. And this is all just done in a jump cut, and there's no explanation of how this happened. I feel like there's something missing mm. here, that there's like deleted footage that they cut, I guess, for length, because this is just way too abrupt. It's totally disorienting to the audience. You have to think about, well, wait, they were just inside the TARDIS. Why are they at the front door now? Yeah. Were, were they in the TARDIS? Because at one point it says they're in the catacombs. That's the tunnels they're running through the, the, with the right. stone. I suppose the the more industrial-looking spaces might have been the TARDIS. Yeah. It yeah. Yeah, was supposed to be like the back door of the TARDIS that they went yeah. through. The oh, doctor, okay. and she, Clara, mentions, hey, we've done this before. We yeah. were climbing around on the inside of the TARDIS like this just recently, and that's when her memories start coming back. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, in the annals of Stephen Moffat, No One Ever Dies, uh, mm. Jenny uh, is brought back by Strax, uh, who, uh, Vastra is distraught, uh, demands Strax uh, bring her back, and and he says, unhand me, ridiculous reptile, which I think was a, a great yeah. line. Uh, because he is a battlefield nurse. Mm -hmm. Yes, right, exactly. And so uh, he's got advanced technology to bring her back. And then uh, we, so we get this um, confrontation at the door to the TARDIS. It's Dr. Simeon, who, but not really, it just looks like him. It's really the great intelligence uh, who has been this villain from the starting with the second doctor uh, we we mm -hmm. heard in the uh, in the uh, the yeti uh, episode and has shown up again several times and now this is the final confrontation and he says by the end the doctor will be known as storm the beast the valiard uh, and this is an interesting development a sort of confirmation of sorts that the doctor is the valiard from the six doctors uh, yeah. Season there? Also, he refers to the Doctor as the slaughterer of the ten billion and the vessel of the final darkness. And his argument is, I'm going to stop the Doctor. I'm going to take revenge on the Doctor because he's not. He doesn't stay the nice guy. You know, he gets darker with time. Right. Hmm. Right. And uh, and the Great Intelligence. It 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 says it, it needs the Doctor's name to open the tomb. But why? Why does it need the name? It's a password to, I mean, it's like if you have a car with a, one of those electronic locks, you need a password. Yep. Okay. And <laughs> it, is, that's an, it's a, apparently a new thing, right? I mean, the, yeah, having the doctor's name. it's a new name. thing. Yeah, okay. Um, and so the doctor doesn't say it, but River does from inside Clara's mind. Well, River is there as a data ghost, and she has some agency and can walk around. She's not perceptible to anyone but Clara, but she she can move independently, and okay. she apparently goes behind the doctor and goes up to the TARDIS and whispers his name. Okay, okay. And the TARDIS can hear her because the TARDIS has telepathic circuits, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, in inside, they find the control room, which is all overgrown in weed, uh, you know, implying it's been a long, long time, um, and this writhing column of light something... Uh, that represents the doctor's. Well, it represents his time stream. That's what his. Re that, that's his remains. Is his time stream, and as it says, it's his scar tissue of his journey through time and space, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, is he, is this like? Do you think this is like a regular Time Lord thing that they? This is how they all end up. It's unclear. Okay. Yeah. They. We've never seen this before. We're. You know. This gets them around, this does two things for them on the plot level. The first is it gets them around the problem of what is the Doctor's final form. Mm -hmm. Because they don't have to show us his final form, so it leaves that a mystery. And then it gives the Great Intelligence and Jenny something to jump into. Right. Because if it, if it were a body, they couldn't jump into it. Right, that's true. Uh, he, he calls it the tracks of my tears, which, which um, the Doctor does. Which kind of recalls the song, <laughs> the, the, yeah. Uh, the, and uh, Simeon says, "Less poetry, more uh, just tell them." Yeah, uh, which is kind of funny. And it's and they have a hard time describing it because it doesn't really make any sense to because we're living in a time stream. It doesn't make any sense to say this is the Doctor's time stream, right? 
and you and you don't want to waste time go okay this is some kind of analogical direct representation transformation thing of the doctor's time stream so they they're they actually he actually never explains it really well this is the scars yeah. of my that's nonsense <laughs> but you know just go with it yeah he does <laughs> he says time travel is damage and so it tears re- reality as you do it which you know seems like a bad idea then but in in any case mm-hmm. the, so the the point is the great intelligence is going to jump into the time stream and be scattered along the doctor's timeline into million bits and interfere and destroy all along the way which is juice in the drama but really if you just killed him when he was a baby the problem would be solved you don't need to right. attack his life at every moment i mean that's how does mm. that even work <laughs> yeah well especially given that the doctor has saved the universe a few times mm-hmm. along the way you just have to interfere in one of those and you've destroyed mm-hmm. the universe so well, and, and- and they show that by the stars kind of winking out, you know, it's, it's the, the, the yeah. stereotypical effect of the st- a star at a time blinks off, you know, as yeah. the timeline gets destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, that, that, it's the time travel problem. Uh, meanwhile, Clara realizes that the only way to save everything, in, including the Doctor, is to go into the scar, to jump into the time stream because she knows she's already done it, because she has these memories of being the impossible girl, souffle girl, the girl from uh, from uh, Victorian London, etc. And uh, so a, a million copies to save the Doctor, but the real Clara will die. But not really. No. <laughs> because no one ever dies. Um, she's, there's a line here. Like, she was making a souffle in the house with the kids earlier. And was quoting some aphorism of her mother that the souffle isn't the souffle, the souffle is the recipe, which is nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, the recipe is just instructions, the souffle is the thing. Um, but she, but this is her justification for saying, um, you know, all of those aren't me, I'm me because I'm the original template or something. In any case, she jumps in and she meets the first doctor, we get that scene again, where she tells him to... Don't take that TARDIS. Take this one with the knackered navigation system because it'll be more fun. That's the mm-hmm. the, yep. the justification. And then we get her, you know, in various other time streams doing doing some things. We we don't see her doing actual um, saving saving, yeah. but but we see her sort of in those again, once again with the various doctors. Um, there's there's that one where she's with the second doctor. And he's running through a park. It looks like mm-hmm. California. Yep. Someplace with palm trees. Yep. Um, that's not from Where, an actual episode, though, is no, it? No, what they've done is they've that that's from the footage is from the five doctors where he is right. outdoors running around in in his big fur coat. Uh-huh. And um, and they've they've taken they've altered the background so that it looks like he's in a more kind of tropical California ish palm tree environment. OK, yep. OK. Because I guess that's where one way to get him in color. Although they didn't, they they didn't have the first doctor in color, but uh, the right, rest but were they, all in color. They showed us the first doctor on a screen, or right, right? Using a body double. That's right. That's right. Yep. Um, so everything's fixed, but now Clara is dead, and so the doctor has to jump into the time stream to save Clara. Um, so. And of course, he because does. Reasons. And, and, yeah. and this is this is this is a part of the episode where I think the writing really falls down and becomes. Yeah. I mean, I, can, I know what they're doing, but how it works is incomprehensible. Because up in his tomb, he R- River review River is he's planning on jumping into the time stream to try to save Clara, and apparently that's dangerous to him um, because he says he may not come back, and he tells the Paternoster gang how to get back to Earth using the younger version of the TARDIS. But um, River is really mad at him for wanting to do this because it's dangerous. And she goes to slap him and he catches her hand and reveals he's always known she was here. Yeah. Um, he was just pretending not to because he thought it would be too painful for him to talk to her. And he says it is really painful for him to talk to her. And they have this because this is effectively the for now the end of river song on the show they are even though they later bring her back 
they have they need to Stephen Moffat wants to write a goodbye scene here. Mm-hmm. So he writes a goodbye scene. And it's implied that this is the last we may see of River. And that was the plan. He didn't know he was going to bring her back. But as part of the goodbye scene, he wants he's working towards two lines which are Rivers which are variations on Rivers taglines. Um the first is spoilers. And the second is, hello, sweetie. So since this is her end, it's going to be goodbye, sweetie. And so goodbye, sweetie has to be her last line. Mm-hmm. And he wants to get spoilers in right before that. And so this, and even though it, this makes virtually no sense when you think about it, she says, uh, like the next to last thing she says is, so I'm, um, if, Basically, um, I'm only here because I'm in telepathic contact with Clara. So if Clara is dead, how can I still be here? And Matt Smith says, okay, how? And that's when she says, spoilers. And then Mm -hmm. they do the goodbye, and she says, fades out and says, goodbye, sweetie. And and when I, I, I think all they mean by that... The bit about Clara being alive is she didn't die. She's still in your time stream. Go get Mm -hmm. her. Yeah. But why they build it up with spoilers is just because that's one of River's taglines. It doesn't really make any sense in context. Right. Because it it points to something more momentous, like there's something important about your future that you can't be told yet. And and there's not. If if all she's saying is. Hey, she's still in there. Go get her or whatever. So I thought that was bad writing. And then we get to see inside the doctor's time stream where Clara is. It's it's really a relit version of the surface of Mm Trenzalore. And he's saying everything. We hear this voiceover narration from Matt Smith telling Clara that everything you see here is me. And she starts to see you know, former incarnations of his running by and stuff. Um, and, and then he says, I'm sending you, um, I'm sending you, uh, something that will help get you out of here. And the leaf floats down and he tells her that the leaf is everything you were or will be, which is poetic nonsense. She's a girl, not a leaf. (laughs) This has nothing to do with anything. It's just a memory from her past. And then, okay, she's got the leaf. Why doesn't she pop out of the time stream? Because it was just implied the leaf was going to play a role in getting her out of the time stream, and it plays none. It's just Moffat poetry being inserted here visually. Mm-hmm. So then Matt Smith himself shows up in this redressed Trenzalore set uh, to, uh, and he's like, and this is partially not Moffat's fault, but. The way it plays, you've got Matt Smith standing some distance away from Clara, and now that she's got the leaf for no good for no reason, he's he's gesturing to her, going, "Come on, you can do it. Come to me." And it's and and it's like, dude, you just winked in through like a portal door thingy. Just keep that open, and you can both walk out of it together. Right? Yeah. And instead, he's got to do this. Come to Papa, honey. You can do it. Come on, come on. I know you can. Just to juice the drama, as if what she she her ability to walk was not impaired. You know <laughs> why are you juicing the drama on this? Right. Um, but it comes across as they're just ratcheting up the drama and extending this, um, and it doesn't play particularly well because we're we're totally in dream logic mm-hmm. at this point, and I I am not a fan of that. I want my I want my story to make more sense than it's making at this point. Right. Now, in fairness to them, originally Matt Smith was going to carry her out of mm-hmm. his time stream, but he had a knee injury and couldn't do that. <laughs> so that's oh. part of why this comes across as incoherently as it does. But from the viewer's perspective, this is coming across incoherently. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he and got we, a, a football knee injury, I think I remember now. Yeah. yeah. And and we don't actually see them leaving the time stream at all. Right. It just right. ends. And and so we have this um 
this this moment where as they're he's grabbing her in the time stream, they turn and they see this other figure with his back to them. And Clara's, who's that? And he's he doesn't want to talk about it. Um, and she says, I saw all of you. I never saw that one. I saw all of you. Eleven faces, all of them you. You're the eleventh doctor. Which timeless child breaks. And then... <laughs> well, um, uh, Stephen Moffat would break it anyway, because Matt Smith's actually the 13th doctor. Yep. Yeah, well, right, right. Um, and then uh, his line is, um, look, my name, my real name, that's not the point. The name I chose is the doctor. The name you choose, it's like... It's like a promise you make. He's the one who broke the promise um, because he went to war, I guess. No, because and, he destroyed the Time Lords and the Daleks. He committed not not just he went to war. The doctor's done that a bunch. A bunch. Yeah. This this version of him committed double genocide. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Right. 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 And that's the that's the unforgivable uh, thing that he did that he can't forgive himself for. Um, and when you're a regenerator, you have that separation from your previous incarnations that is sort of, it's like, it's not like he can, he can kind of not forgive himself, but it's the, I don't know, it's just. The, he can also kind of distance himself from it and yep. say that, yeah. yeah, that's not quite me, but it right. is kind of me. And then we get the John Hurt turning around and saying, introducing John Hurt as the doctor, and uh, and then we fade out from there. And then we... To be continued, November 23rd for the 50th anniversary special. Um, and we get this series of of the Doctor titled episodes from here. <laughs> we get uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Night of the Doctor, the Day of the Doctor, and then... The Time the, of the Doctor. Time of the Doctor, right. Um, which we've already talked about all of those. So uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we are not going to be discussing those uh, from here on out. If you want to check out what we had to say about those, you can go back and look at our previous episodes on those. So uh, anything else left to say on this, uh, Father Corey? Nothing really, although I got a kick out of how River kept saying that the Doctor doesn't like endings. It's like, well, is that the Doctor or Stephen Moffat? Because <laughs> yes. we talked about it, how he doesn't like endings. He doesn't like to kill off characters. So it's like, is River really talking about him? <laughs> right, right. Uh, how about you, Jimmy? Nope. Okay. Uh, I did think, but I just want to add the one funny thing about him, when he was kissing River, and uh, he's like... Um, no one else can see you, so this must look really weird right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that uh, overall, I, despite the fact I've been pretty critical of this, um, yeah. as I mentioned earlier, it does have a lot of good stuff in it. It has a lot of stuff I like. Yeah. I, I, I don't like the fake out about his name. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can accept it, but I didn't like it at the time. That wound is kind of healed. Not that it was ever really a wound. It's just a, something I didn't prefer. Mm-hmm. But in this, I, I pretty much like the episode until the very end, because I think that I think that last few the last few scenes where the doctor's talking to River, and the whole thing about the the doctor going into his own time stream to save Clara that needed to be better done. Yeah, and it was partly. Moffat's fault as a writer because he was trying to jump through too many hoops and and that made it awkward but also it was partly out of their control but it's that's where I think the episode episode suffers the most is in the final scene and I guess that's where I got confused when I watched it the first time is that Everybody because of did. those flaws yeah yeah <laughs> all right so I uh, did mention that we have some listener feedback from our recent episode on the Terror of the Vervoids, the Six Doctor story we talked about. Uh, our first feedback comes from Ted on Facebook, who said, uh, Sorry to disagree with Jimmy, but I forgot how annoying Mel was, especially at the beginning of the episode when she was fat-shaming the Doctor. And he threw a smiley emoji in there. Uh, I also agree with the viewers who thought that Janet would be a good companion. I had those same thoughts. So. Well, I don't have any problem with Janet. I just, I actually like Mel. I, mm-hmm. I don't like the way she's written a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't like the way she's like fat shaming the doctor and stuff like that. That was not, uh, the, it, but that's not who she, that's not the, who the character fundamentally is. Mm-hmm. And it's also not the way the actress fundamentally is. That's the way the character is written. And often characters have very shaky introductions. Mel gets better with time. Yep. And it's like Ace. You look at Ace's first appearance in Dragonfire. Wow, Ace is a shaky character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and even her name. I mean, she's constantly using Ace as an interjection. 
and yep. and it's really annoying. Oh, thankfully they got over that. They fixed <laughs> yeah. that really quickly. And in the same way, Mel has a shaky introduction, but is then much better. And yeah. she, especially in the uh, in the Big Finish extensions, I mean, she, unfortunately, she doesn't have a lot of time on screen in the TV series itself. I mean, she has a couple of adventures, like with the with the Seventh Doctor. Mm-hmm. But then her her run on the show is really short. And but th- she has done a bunch of big finish, and she's really good in that. All right, cool. Well, I, I look forward to seeing those. Uh, and then we had more feedback from Jason on Facebook, who wrote, "I'm shocked that you all enjoyed this. Their vervoids looked terrible." Well, well, it's I, classic uh, yeah. who? <laughs> yeah. I, for a show of this period, I, I mean, to me, the visuals have never been what's interesting about science fiction. Mm-hmm. If there are good visuals, it's it's great. It, it that helps. Mm-hmm. But you can have something that has high quality effects and costumes and still be terrible. To me, it's really about the story and the ideas. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, this is. Miles better than the twin dilemma. <laughs> that's for oh, sure. Yeah. That's not saying much. <laughs> <laughs> Low bar. Uh, Paul uh, wrote on YouTube. You did not mention that the Professor Lasky was played by Honor Blackman, who's famous as Pussy Galore from the Bond movie and being Kathy Gale in the Avengers. A shame on you for not finding out about the guest actors. Well, we try. Yeah, I, I we try. <laughs> I found out. I just chose not to mention it because I normally don't mention that. That's. That's more of mine. Father Corey and Dom's thing to point <laughs> yeah. out other roles that people have played. I will do it occasionally, yeah. but not that much. Yeah, I uh, yeah I I often it's if they recognize them as Star uh, Star Wars actors, I will definitely call them out. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't I, I didn't know her from Avengers. I didn't I never watched that show. Mm-hmm. So yep, uh, yeah, I, I missed that one too. So it's just oh well, we yeah. miss it. What we're not going to catch everybody. <laughs> we will we'll do we'll do the, our best though. But thank you all for your feedback. We really appreciate getting feedback. So as we wrap up, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Doctor Who, including Christopher M., Claire P., Andrew V., Mary B., and Paul D. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear your feedback on The Name of the Doctor. Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the fourth Doctor story, Underworld. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who. Goodbye, sweetie. <laughs> Father Cory Stegan, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. Now we can go back to destroying some pleasant primitives. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, when you're a time traveler, there is one place you must never go. To your own grave. <laughs>